Shadow Factories presents Tales from the Aletheian Society, Chapter 2 A Light in the Darkness. tribunal to order. I call the next witness in the trial of Dr. Cadwallader. Please state your name for the record. Lady Sophia Roxborough, your honour. You are from Switzerland, are you not? I am. Very good. Note that down. Lady Sophia, please explain for us, if you would, the events of the 23rd of February, as they pertain to the crimes of which Dr. Cadwallader is accused. We had, as you know, recently arrived in Glasgow at this point. We had not yet had the time to reopen many of the rooms of the chapter house, but resolved to undertake the business of the society as best we were able. More bacon, Doctor? Mm. Oh. oh, dear God, man, I couldn't eat another morsel. Well, perhaps just one more rasher. The house looks really quite habitable in the light of day, don't you think? After whatever that awful thing was fell silent, we had a rather pleasant night. Did you? The eldritch shrieking was one thing, but once it started with a moaning and banging, I didn't get a wink of sleep. Moaning and banging? Aye, and a kind of weird yipping noise at the end. Oh, that. Ah, uh, yes, I definitely heard it too. Sp spooky stuff. Ah, uh, so do we have any plans for the rest of the day? No point in rushing things, my boy. Doesn't do to hurry good digestion, bad for the constitution. Plenty of time to get to work. Would you like the morning paper, sir? Heavens no, I never read the gutter press till after luncheon. Can't face reading about the appalling deeds of the sordid masses till I've opened the port. Take it away. Dr. Pritchard, Lord rest his soul. Always studied the morning papers to see what dangers, occult or mundane, were facing the society on any given day. He said it was his duty as master of the chapter. Oh, damn his duty and damn your eyes, Gillespie. I said take it away. Wait a moment. Gillespie, just put it there, would you? Of course, Lady Sophia, your ladyship. Look, on the front page... Kidderminster somnambulist escapes certain death. No. Welsh hermit defended by rats? No. Dick Shtick, the female messenger boy. No, head doctor, this one. What? The column at the bottom? Grizzly murders plague Glasgow's East End. Well, that's barely worth a mention in this thrice be damned city. Yes, but look. There, it says. A spate of murders, each of them more grisly and inexplicable than the last. 
Six men found completely and bloodlessly dismembered with their limbs neatly stacked beside them. Eight in a tenement close, apparently smothered in wax, and a further five were stung to death by bees. All of these within the last week, which you must admit is quite the tally, even for Glasgow. My companions instantly recognized the importance of my observation and resolved to act at once. Well, I hardly think the local ne'er-do-wells murdering each other concerns us. Aye, bampo v bampo, it's no exactly out of the ordinary. We have literally nothing else to do. It is a mystery and one I intend to solve. Arthur, you should go and talk to the newspapers. They are bound to know more than they're printing, while I... Excellent idea, Lady Sophia. Send your husband to work on those adjective jerkers. Loosen up a few tongues, hmm? And you ladies can go and do whatever it is you do, together, and I'll chase up a few avenues of inquiry of my own. With your permission, Herr Doctor, I would prefer to work alone. Nonsense! Safety in numbers for the fairer sex. In fact, you should take Gillespie with you. No! No, thank you. That really won't be necessary. I wouldn't want to put you to any trouble, Mr. Gillespie. Please, Sophie, for me. I don't like to think of you out there on your own on these ghastly streets. In that case, I can come with you to the newspaper office. It's no such a bad idea if we go together, Lady Sophia. I know the tune well enough, but, but you, you can bring... An air of respectability? Money, I was going to say. Excellent. That's it settled. Well, out with you, young folk. I need to get to work pressing society matters that won't wait, you know. Our missions allocated, we headed out onto the streets of Glasgow, while Dr. Cadwallader pursued his own lines of inquiry. Ah, perfect. Jesse and I quickly established an excellent working relationship. Well, if we're to work together, Lady Sophia, can I call you Sophie? You may address me as Lady Roxborough, Miss Gordon, or should I say Miss McLaughlin? Should you? Don't try and deny it. Deeds such as yours hardly escape the notice of the national press. Deeds like what? You may have maintained your innocence throughout, but the facts, unlike you, do not lie. That was... I don't know what you're talking about. My name is Jessie Gordon, Lady Roxborough, and I would respectfully suggest we get on with the society's business. Of course. I think all that is necessary we have covered. Where, then, would you suggest we start that business? I was thinking we should begin with the city mortuary. I decided we should begin with the city mortuary. We swiftly gained entry to the premises. Get back, you bobags. It's no the shows here. Have some respect for the deed, would you? Officer, can you confirm anything about the state of the most recent bodies brought in? Is it true they were found ritually mutilated? Is this related to the recent spate of gang violence? That counts for you yarn choppers too. Piss off the lawyers before I knock your heads together and have you all dragged into Pitt Street. Excuse me. Beg your pardon, mister. Coming through. Go sit, shift yourself. Aye, that's you I'm talking to. Hey, officer, can I have a moment of your time? I thought I'd tell the law you. Aye, aye, officer, I heard you, but it's just my pal here. Your pal? Shut your trap a wee minute. 
my pal here, she's lost her husband this week. He didn't come home, see? And when we asked up at the Royal, they said maybe he's one of the corpses you've had brought in. You must think my heat button's up in the back, Ken. Fair enough. All right, be quick. And if anyone asks, it was the me that let you in. Meanwhile, my husband was hard at work interrogating the journalists at the offices of the Glasgow Herald. Excuse me, Arthur Roxborough? I thought I recognised that walk. How are you, old chap? By my soul, it's Bernard Walsingham. What a splendid coincidence to meet you here. It's been years. Dear God, I don't believe we've spoken since you left the household cavalry. What was that? Three years ago? How's the lovely Sophie? Any little Roxboroughs yet? No, 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 not yet. Everything's been so busy. We've just moved up into the area, as a matter of fact. I've been doing a bit of work for, well, it's confidential, I'm afraid, but... Say no more. Look, Arthur, old boy. I was just headed over to the club for a late breakfast. Would you care to join me? I'd love to, old fellow. But I really ought to be getting on with... with... things. Surely you can spare an hour or two to catch up with an old friend? Well, as long as we're quick. I was able to persuade the mortuary attendants to allow us access to the examination room. More bribes? That amount of money to gain access to a frigid warehouse full of unclaimed corpses? Nothing comes by free in this tune, Mrs. Roxborough. Maybe you're just no use to being the one to pay for it. Just get on with it, then. I was, of course, shocked by what I saw, as any respectable woman would have been. Good Lord, this one's been cut up like a jigsaw. And this one's exactly the same, down to the angle of the cuts. The newspapers were correct, but there must be... Two dozen corpses in here, at least. Aye, poor souls. I know that yin, whose heed you're holding. And who is it, then? That's Billy Ferris. Heeds up the Cutters Gang, or they used to. They mostly run Bayliston. Looks like someone took it on themselves to do a bit of cutting of the rain. And that one. That's Handy Joan McGurk. Bits of him, anyway. He was Billy's hatchet man. If you owed money and you didn't pay, he'd be the one came round to collect. Someone's jointed the cutters up like so many Sunday roasts. Who do you propose would have done such a thing? Normally, I'd have said the beehive boys. They're always at each other's throats, but that doesn't seem so likely on this occasion. Why not? On account of them lying dead over there covered in bee stings. Oh, I suppose we are ruling out natural causes then. Honeybees and Finiston, I write. If it was flea bites, maybe. What about these ones? It looks like they've been dipped in wax. If I had to guess, I'd say the mortal remains of the waxwork gang. Though with the state the faces are in, it's hard to tell. Their skin. It's completely covered in wax, except for the hair and nails. No. Wait a moment. That hand! It snapped clean off at the wrist. Like breaking a candle in half. They're not covered in wax. They're nothing but wax. I think we're running out of explanations that don't involve magic, wouldn't you say? So we're looking for a vigilante practitioner with a strongly developed sense of irony? I drew on Miss Gordon's knowledge of the local geography and customs to decide on the next step of my investigation. Come on, if you're coming, Lady Sophia, we've no got all day. Could we not go somewhere less dark, dirty and dangerous? 
No, it's no dangerous if you keep your wits about you. Uh, lucky way you heard that, miss. Lucky for me, because you're going to give me the money. Lucky for you. Shut it, Banjo. Save it for the tourists. Oh, shite, it's you. Your face looks familiar, sir. Have we met? Banjo, may I present Lady Sophia Roxburgh, a lady of the quality, who's helping me out with a wee bit of work. Lady Sophia, may I present Banjo, a no-account piece of gutter shite, who's going to pay me back a wee favour if he knows what's good for him. Jessie McLaughlin, I'd no idea you were back in town. Last I heard you were in the jail. Thought you were off the hook, did you, Banjo? Well, you've never been that lucky in your life. Anyway, it's Jesse Gordon now, and don't you forget it. All right, Jesse. What do you want? Information, Banjo. Nothing more than that. See, a bunch of penny mobsters have gone and got themselves killed in all kinds of interesting ways, and if anybody's going to know about who's got it in for a bunch of low-life scum, it's going to be a gib-faced turd like you. I don't know anything about that. Don't make me use my mammy voice. Alright. We're seeing there's a new mob moving in all their patches, bumping off the competition. Do you know the name of this new gang? No, miss. Nobody knows. But they say their chief can kill you with just a wave of the horn. I think they're in league with the devil himself. Nobody cares what you think, Bobag. Where are they then, this new gang? They must be working out of somewhere. Nobody knows. They say they can vanish into thin air. They, they go back to hell when their wicked work is done. Alright, alright. I heard it was Tradeston. Tradeston's a big place. Care to narrow it down a bit? I don't know any more than that. I swear to God. Alright, I heard one thing. I heard one of the Beehive boys. Just one of them got away. Which one? Big Paddy Ryan. He's holed up in the Panopticon. The Panopticon? The Music Hall? I read that it was shut while money was raised for repairs. Aye, the punters trashed the boards when the mutton shufflers tried to crack down on the leg show. Excuse me? They say whatever Paddy saw sent him to Hanwell with no return ticket, if you know what I mean. I am not altogether sure I do. Cracked. Bonkers. It's skull. Ruin the bend. Oh, for f... All right, Banjo. I think I've had enough of you for one day. Nice to see you too, Jesse. And you, miss. Charmed, I'm sure. Right, time we got to move on. Oh, and Banjo, if I hear you've been putting that about I'm back in tune, I'll put my foot so far up your arse, you'll be licking boot polish after your teeth for the rest of your life. Are we crystal clear? Narrowly escaping that den of iniquity with our lives and virtue intact, we followed the lead down a shabby alley to the shuttered edifice of the Panopticon Theatre. I tried the door handle and, to my surprise, it opened at a touch. That should do it. Up the stairs it is then. Wait, don't shut the door yet. Let me check that lantern on the peg. Yes, it's still half full of oil. Keep it shuttered at least. We made our way stealthily up the wooden stairway. Can't you be any quieter? You be quiet! After what felt like an eternity, we emerged into the cavernous, darkened space of the music hall itself. 
In the dim light from the shuttered lantern, the boards of the broken stage loomed like the jagged teeth of some monstrous, half-submerged beast. Over our heads, the gallery was pitch black, host to any number of imaginary terrors, and perhaps one very real one. Paddy? Paddy Ryan? We're not here to hurt you. We just want a wee word, that's all. Stop right there. All right, Paddy. We've stopped. My pal's just going to lift up the lantern so you can see we're no threat to you. Look, just two lassies, nothing in my hands, nothing to hurt you. She sent you, didn't she? Who sent us? Her. The Queen. You're from the Queen. Here to finish what she started. Sir, I assure you, the Queen is in London and has nothing whatsoever to do with our presence here. The other one? The other Queen? She sent you to finish Paddy off, but Paddy's too fly for the likes of you. Look at his hand. The one with a pistol in it? I, I can't even take my eyes off it. No, the other one. What about it? Look at it. She killed them all. All of Paddy's brothers. All the brave beehive boys. With that curse of hers. But Paddy was too quick. Paddy didn't stay and fight, no. Paddy ran for his life. It's not just his hand. Look at his face. And Paddy was nearly away. But the Queen, she looked just as he was turning the corner and... Half there and half gone. So the curse only touched half of him. Dear God, half of him is turned to vax. Now she sent you to finish the job. Didn't even think old Paddy was worth a personal visit, did she? Listen to me. You're nothing to do with this woman. He's going to shoot. I'll jump him. Get yourself ready. Uh, ready for what? No, don't shoot. Believe and never trouble you again. My husband, he knows where I am. If we're not back within half an hour, he's going to come looking for me. He will hunt you down unless you let us go right now. Well, cheers, old fellow. Not a bad job they serve here, don't you think? Not bad at all. Dash it all. Look at the time. I really ought to be going. So soon, old chap. You'll stay for one more, for the road, for old time's sake. Well, what more can't hurt, I suppose? I looked around the darkened room, shadows dancing wildly in the narrow beam of light cast from the shuttered lantern in my trembling hand. That which once had been Paddy Ryan now was a half-vaxen creature drawn from nightmare itself. His agony must have been extreme, but still the monstrosity advanced inexorably towards us. Back you go to hell, you devils! You can give your queen a message from Paddy. When you see her, you tell her! Through the lantern! Now! I watched frozen in horror as flames consumed him, his face distorting as the wax ran in rivulets into his collar. He ignited like the wick of a candle, skin crisping and blackening in the infernal heat, shrieking and writhing in agony as he fell to the ground. I could still see life in his one remaining eye as the fire consumed him until it was cooked to a milky white and boiled in its socket. Lady Roxburgh! Sophie! We need to get out of here before the stairs catch fire! What? Yes, I... of course. Come on! 
Did you see that? Was he really? I did. Anyways. Black magic and no mistake. Mon, I better find someone to raise the alarm. They'll need a bucket chain on this place before the whole street goes up. Fortunately, a combination of the theatre's long-standing wet rot and the continual Glasgow drizzle meant that the blaze was quickly contained. The local fire service was swiftly summoned from their College Street headquarters. We began the walk westwards along Argyle Street, a plume of filthy smoke rising into the air behind us. Add arson and property damage by proxy to the sheet of charges, please. Oh, that is hardly fair. This tribunal is not concerned with fairness, madam, only with the truth. Carry on with your account, please. Exhausted by our day's exertions, we nonetheless resolved to travel back to the Society's headquarters on foot rather than waste valuable resources on a hackney cab. Not a hateny left. All gone on bribes. I suppose we'll have to walk. Miss Gordon, Jessie, I've been thinking. If I seemed unfriendly earlier, I can only apologize. After seeing what we did today, I rather feel that we should focus on the dangers of the future rather than the deeds of the past, whatever they may have been. And please, call me Sophie. That's... That's big of you, Sophie. You see, I've been doing a bit of thinking too. A bit of remembering as well. You're not the only one who looks at newspapers and some stories just stick in your mind, even when they've happened in a whole other country. That court artist must have spent the whole trial working on getting your likeness just right. I suppose with a bony face like yours, he couldn't tear his eyes away. Anyway, like you said, the past, the past, and best we put it behind us, eh? So, after a long walk and some convivial conversation, we returned to Hunter House to make our report. Well, Pritchard, you old devil. Cold-blooded murderer you may have been, but no one could dispute your taste in wine. Ah, oh, Gillespie, my good man. What excellent timing. I do believe I've discovered Pritchard's hidden wine collection. You can dispose of the empties. The other members of the society are back, Doctor. Ah, well, show them in, there's a good fellow. And bring three more glasses while you're at it. Doctor Cadvalida! Sorry I'm late, everyone. Oh, hello, Sophie. Miss Gordon. Doctor. I didn't find out much, I'm afraid. How did the rest of you get on? <laughs> well, I took the opportunity to... I'm um, sorry to interrupt her, Doctor, but what Miss Gordon and I found is of the utmost importance and is in certainty the most pressing and urgent Elysian society business. There is an extremely potent and malign practitioner at work in this city, and we must make it our business to uncover them before they strike again. I calmly relayed our findings to the others, who were concerned and impressed in equal measure. Are you sure you didn't imagine it, darling? I mean, a half-man, half-waxwork trying to kill you? It does all seem a little far-fetched. No, I did not imagine it, Arthur. Hmm, yes. Trick of the light. Stressful situation. 
I knew seasoned officers lose their wits under fire when I was in Bhutan. Hardly anything to be ashamed of it if a little woman were to do the same. A little woman? Daughter, I saw the exact same thing. Mass hysteria, perhaps? Tilting of the womb? It had nothing to do with my womb. No. Wait, what if I could show you incontrovertible proof? The vax hand I broke off the corpse in the mortuary. There you have it. Gosh. Evidence of that sort should be placed in the society's vaults, along with a written account of your findings under the terms of Article 571B. Or at least that was the protocol we strictly adhered to in Dr. Pritchard's day. Lord rest his soul. The vaults, you say? Gosh, how frightfully exciting. Shall we go and take a look? With Mr. Gillespie as our guide, we made our way through a series of labyrinthine tunnels in the basement until at last we came upon a huge wooden door, which the caretaker unlocked with great ceremony using a vast iron key from the ring on his belt. Behold, the vaults of the Glasgow Alethian Society. I say, a, a bit whiffy, what? Well, let's see what's in there. Gosh, it's absolutely enormous. Look at those shelves. They're absolutely laden with artefacts. Uh, is the hole in the wall meant to be there? Some blight has broken into the vault. The Alethian Society are Rhiannon Swan Price, Linda Skip. Chris Edwards, Henry Sullivan, Jude Reed, Graham Jameson, Gerard Kurth, Jamie Stewart, Rich Keeling, and Simeon Ewing as Banjo. A Light in the Darkness was written by Jude Reed and Chris Edwards. Studio recording and original music were by Stu Goff. Tune in next time for episode three, De Profundis. <laughs>